Praise the Lord. Good evening, Life Church family. I can call you family now. Amen. All the other times we've been here in the past, we were traveling in and visiting, but now we're residents. Hallelujah. Family. Amen. We truly do thank the Lord for it. You know, we're on a journey in life, aren't we? It's a walk of faith. It's a journey, and uh, that journey uh, began the moment you were born again. Hallelujah. An eternal journey, praise the Lord. And uh, it will eventually take us all the way to paradise, to the holy city, and to the glory of the throne. Hallelujah. Where we will, with the throngs, countless numbers of people that have gone before us throughout all time who have put their faith and their trust in the living God and the name of Jesus, we will gather around the throne, hallelujah, with the angels of the saints, hallelujah, crying holy, holy, holy for all time. Amen. Amen. But not only that, we'll come back then. And we'll reign with the Lord down here among mankind for a thousand years. Hallelujah. And then if that weren't enough, there's still more. One day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness reigns. Hallelujah. Where there is no pain anymore. Hallelujah. And where the Bible says in that place his servants will be with him and they will serve him there. Hallelujah. But I have chosen to make myself a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ here and now in this lifetime. How about you? Amen. But one day, we'll, the Bible says, Revelation 22, 5, we will rule and reign with him forever and ever. Hallelujah. But yet even here and now, as I said, our journey began when we were born again. When we called upon that wonderful name, that excellent name, that majestic name, that glorious name, hallelujah, that name above all other names to which every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow, hallelujah, that highly exalted name. Can you tell me that name tonight? Come on, tell me. What's the name we call on? Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And by his grace and the abundance of his grace and of the gift of righteousness, not only then in the future, but here right now on the earth. Uh, what is today? December, what, 14? What is today? Amen. I got it right. That's a miracle, praise God. <laughs> December 14, hallelujah. We are here, and by the abundance of his grace and the gift of righteousness, you know what it says, we are reigning in life. Through the one, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible refers to our salvation as being so great a salvation. Amen. And the Lord says for us not to neglect so great a salvation. And so tonight, by the leading of the Spirit of God, I feel the Father's heart in me tonight to talk to you about 
how our salvation is completely, totally, forever settled. Hallelujah. Body, soul, and spirit. Amen. Amen. Body, soul, and spirit. Amen. And so, in just a few minutes, I'm going to open up the word a little bit to some things that really, I had a really, without it being a visitation, you know, as such, it was a time where the Lord came to me in my room. Uh, His presence was strong, and I felt as if the Lord was standing there with me, before me, and he spoke to me four things that I'm going to speak to you tonight, and they're going to come all out of Matthew 27, but we're not going to actually get there right away, but we will pretty soon. But there are four things that he showed me that his people suffer with, struggle with, aren't entirely settled in. And that's why I mentioned salvation being something that's so great. He wants me to, he said, I'm going to, um, I'm going to give you these four things to speak to and to show my people in days to come regarding the absolute full scope, magnitude, and absolute finality of my salvation because my people still struggle with understanding exactly how great my salvation is, how eternal it is, how settled it truly is. And when they come into the place of being settled into it on a higher plane, a a deeper way of seeing things, then they'll struggle no more. They'll strive no more, and they'll suffer no more. They'll struggle no more, they'll strive no more, and they'll suffer no more. Amen. And so I just want to say, before I get into this, I'm really thankful to be here tonight and um, standing here in this Christmas season, you know, Uh, just a couple of weeks out from Christmas Day, less than that, here in this Christmas season, being able to minister this word that that the Lord has given me, this revelation that the Lord has given me that I believe is going to open some eyes and, and, and bring greater faith and expectation and settledness and security into the hearts and minds of his people tonight. Can someone say amen? Amen. And, um, but I'm very thankful because, um, I mean, it's already been a great night, hasn't it? It's a good night, praise God. It truly is a good night, you know. I, I spent last week back in our old home of Tulsa, just four, four and a half months ago, moved out here from being 22 years in Tulsa, at least based in Tulsa, um, having traveled and lived in other nations also, but uh, was back there and had the opportunity. I had scheduled, I was able to minister in two churches this past Sunday, one Sunday morning, one Sunday night, 
had dynamic services. It was just awesome. I got to visit our two sons there who still reside there, and it was just a blessed time, you know? Even though I got in last night, I didn't get in until about 2 a.m., so uh, our flight was delayed out of Salt Lake, so I was over in Salt Lake. I mean, everything was going good, and then we got to Salt Lake, and you know, sometimes those delays hit, and for five hours, I was there in Salt Lake. So praise God, but I got home at 2 a.m. and was able to settle in, but I was going to say that, you know, it was great being away and celebrating Christmas with our sons a little bit and having all those opportunities with dear old friends, but you know, I was really, I was telling Pastor Mark this, something though, another additional blessing of being there was the fact of knowing that I know, that I know, that I know that the Lord brought us to Boise, and I was so happy to come home to Boise. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. And so, glory to God. Amen. But I'm, I'm thankful for the Christmas season. It truly is one of my favorite times of year. I don't know about you, but I really do rejoice. And um, not only because I get to watch Ralphie shoot his eye out, amen, <laughs> or, or see his, his old man get, uh, uh, what is it called, get a special award, amen. No, I, you know. Amen. Beat up that bully with the yellow eyes, so help me God, yellow eyes, amen. I've watched it too much, I confess, I know. But anyway, no, truly though, I love Christmas because of this reason. And you just listen to this. This is why I love Christmas. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. His name is Jesus And the name Jesus means Savior. Jehovah saves. Hallelujah. Amen. And so before we move into the word here, I think we'll just be going to Matthew 27. Give me just a moment as I've been standing here and just talking to you a little bit, warming up, and I feel like I hear the Father saying something. And so I'm going to go ahead and just go with that. Amen? So let's go with that for a moment and see what he wants to say and see where he wants to take us this evening. I do know this, that I I will say this first. I'm going to minister the word, and Pastor Mark was asking me about the flow of tonight, and just to, to, to prime your pump of expectancy and faith tonight, I know God has some special things, and so... Uh, not only through the Word, but uh, before we finish, after we're done with that, my wife and I together are, are going to minister a special blessing, a special anointing upon each and every one of you, any, any number of you that would like to come and receive hands laid on you tonight just to receive an anointing. Amen. That's what the Lord said. 
I want to bless my people with a special anointing tonight. And so we're going to do that. But let me go ahead, and I feel like I hear this from the Lord. This is what I hear. My children, my people who are called by my name, my own special people whom I surround night and day, day by day, week by week, month by month and year by year, keeping you, preserving you, protecting you, watching over you, and sending you out into the world. My people, I want you to give attention to my words tonight, the Lord would say. In fact, I want you to focus now on the things that shall be said by the Scriptures this evening. Because there is coming to you, I have come tonight to expand your revelation of my great, glorious, eternal salvation. I am expanding your revelation that came at first in the person of Jesus on his birth that day as a baby that came to all men, but then came especially to you the day that you called on him. But as he came, he came as a baby, and then he developed into a boy as we know, and then from that point he grew into, by the anointing of the Spirit, a mighty man in word and in deed who developed and shone forth my salvation to all the people. And so, as it was, as he developed uh, into a mighty man, so the development of the revelation in your life of my great and glorious eternal plan of salvation as it grows bigger inside of you, as it takes root deeper down on the inside of you. You too will expand. You too will grow. You too will be mighty and do exploits in the earth in this hour. For I have sent you out. I am sending my people to a lost and dying, a dark world. But your faith must be in him and in him alone. Not in anything you may think you can do, not in any way that you think you may believe me. No, he is the absolute total object of your faith. For he is the one who came. He was the word made flesh. And when he came before that, he created all things. And he came and brought light and life into the world. And his name is Jesus. And in his name is the only name whereby men may be saved. Salvation is why he was sent. Salvation is why he came. And so he is the absolute object of your devotion, your worship, and your faith. And as you look to him more and more, and as you follow him more and more, and abide in him, stay, remain, stay put, remain fixed, and be very present with him in the moments of your life.
Be present with me, I say, my people. Walk in the present. Forget the things that are behind. Reach unto the things that lie ahead and look unto him, the author and finisher of your faith. Look up and see him at the throne because he is your redemption and he draws nigh the moment you put your focus on him, the, more, the moment you worship him, the moment you speak to him and call on his name, the moment in those present moments, I am coming to you. So I say unto you tonight, I have a special anointing a special anointing for each and every one of you, my children. I have a special anointing to help you and to heal you, to free you and to fire you up with the mighty power of my spirit this night. Through the tone of my voice and the touch of my hand tonight, your life will come to a greater place of understanding this great salvation for you. So again, I say to you, give attention. Incline your ear to my sayings tonight, my children, because by my Spirit I am saying things that you need to hear that will help you, heal you, free you, and put the fire in you in a greater way than ever before. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands and worship the Lord. Give him praise. Give him thanks. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your unction. Thank you that you don't only speak to us, which is such a precious thing, by the holy written word, the Logos, and you convey your thoughts and you convey your heart and you communicate your, the meaning of your heart and, and the desires of your heart and the, and, the, and the plans that you have for us, Lord. And the depth of the word that wherein we live because your words are spirit and they are life. But Lord, you also speak to us through the unction of that rhema Holy Ghost word. We thank you for both tonight, Lord. May they continue to flow to your people, Lord. I thank you now, even now, you're speaking to and touching your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <coughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Sometimes I really like to be a pastor. Not that pastoring is, I, I understand, I've been in the ministry a long time and I have pastored in other nations, but more so on the side of planting churches and raising up pastors to pastor the people from their own nation because that's how the Lord instructed us to do was to raise up people that I show you, people that I put my hand upon, people that you see the the, the, the shine of my countenance upon. He would, he would highlight people and show us and then we would call them out and we knew they had a call of God and we would do it in that way. So not really that I really ever even really pastored my own flock. I just um, oversaw and, you know, helped people. 
um, to come into those places so nationals could pastor their own people. But um, anyway, I've dreamed about it, though, many times and thought about trying it, you know. But, you know, we are who we are by the grace of God, amen? And we just have to stay with our calling. And sometimes it's a little bit shaky. It's a little bit, even to this day, not scary. It's not. I love it. I enjoy it. But, man, just, you know, I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) say all that to say, I look forward to teaching in the Bible school. Amen. In February. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) I don't even know what. Never mind all that. Delete. Just forget it. It's, it's good. It's, it's me and the, that's my private little thing with the Lord publicly right now. That's all. It's okay. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Father. I'm so thankful, and I truly am. Amen. So I want to say a few things um, by way of introducing what we're doing. We're going to be, as I said, going to just a few scriptures throughout the chapter of Matthew 27. Salvation forever settled. These are days we're living in. You know this very well. When people are falling away, which literally means, falling away literally means to depart from And um, what's that word? And defect. It begins with a departure from the truth, which later on, the longer someone departs from the truth and wanders away from the truth, as it talks about in James, uh, I believe it's James chapter 5. Is it James or 1 John? Anyway, there in chapter 5, you read them both, you'll see it, where it talks about people who, no, people, uh, James, John, both J. Anyway, no, they're... Read the Bible for yourself, praise God, amen. No, it's there. It talks about people, I'm really getting myself in trouble here tonight, amen. That people wander from the truth, and if anyone turns someone back who has wandered from the truth, he saves a soul and saves a soul from death, amen. But anyway, so that's what happens. People wander from the truth. And they depart from the truth. That's what falling away literally means in 2 Thessalonians. They first fall away, they depart from the truth, and if they don't turn back and repent and come to the light again, then it gets to the point where they can literally be gone so long and so far away that they not only are one who just kind of walked away from the truth, And they transform and morph into someone who literally defects from the truth or, in other words, becomes an enemy of the truth and the one whom they followed before. And so these are perilous times in which we're living. And um, there's a strong spirit of delusion in the world today. I mean, look at it. People are confused People are perplexed. People have been lied to for so long and, and, and whatever, reprogrammed, you know, that they don't even know that there's just two sexes in the earth anymore. And, and we can look at it as something kind of, that's crazy. That's absolutely absurd. It's stupid and it's funny. It's a, but it's not. It's really happening. 
They're deceived. And uh, it's a world that we're living in now that calls right wrong, wrong right, evil good, and good evil. That's a spirit of delusion. People are deluded. And so the reason why the Lord, as I began to seek him about this, about that, about the whole thing, because I had studied that in 2 Thessalonians, and I had ministered it, and the Lord had shown me how important and powerful the truth is, the truth of the gospel. We receive the truth of the gospel, or we receive the truth of God in the gospel, that Jesus is Savior, that Jesus is Lord. Amen. And you know, Christmas is powerful because we're reminded that Jesus, Christmas is really for the Christian believer, the birth of our faith. Amen. Because the, as, as I prophesied, the, the, the object of our faith is the one. In him was life, and that life was the light of man. He was in the beginning with God. He created all things, and without him, nothing was made that was made. It's all about him, amen. He is the author, the developer, and the finisher of our faith. And so, with his birth, it's the birth of our faith. Without his birth, there is no miracle life, hallelujah. There is no sacrificial death on the cross without his birth. And without his death, there is no resurrection. And without resurrection, your faith is dead and there is no salvation. Amen. So there needs to be a rebirth in the magnification of truth in this hour. We must walk in the truth. We must live the truth. We must speak the truth at all costs, no matter what. Not fearing man, not fearing what they'll say to us, think about us, or do to us. It matters not. We must stand in the truth. And the truth is that Jesus is the only way. But in this delusional world, he's not only one way to many ways, but because of the work of the enemy against the truth in many people's minds, he's not even as high as many other so-called saviors, so-called gods, because the attack is always on that which is real, that which is true. Amen? But hallelujah. <clears throat> and having said that, We have three enduring things, faith, hope, the joyful expectation of seeing the goodness of God, amen, which comes through the total salvation, redemption work of the Lord Jesus Christ, not separate, not apart from, intact with the salvation, the work of Jesus, amen. But in this world today and Sad to say, many believers are experiencing this too. There is, um, people are dropping off. Like I said, many have no faith. 
Many have lost all hope and feel no love. The love of many has grown cold. So in this setting, we, the body of Christ, must shine out through the darkness with lives filled with the fruit of his spirit, the power of his presence, and the glory of his light, boldly, openly, publicly proclaiming the gospel which begins with his birth. Jesus is alive. Amen? Good tidings of great joy to all the people. Amen. But the Lord, let let, let me just go ahead and read something to you if I can, because sometimes when I'm there before the Lord, He just speaks to me. And so I, I, I scroll these things, I write these things, and so that, you know, because it's coming from Him in that moment for the time that I will deliver it. So better than me trying to, you know, muddle through, I'm just going to go ahead and read here what He spoke to me. Thank God, you know, I really truly do believe that from this church, from this body of Christ, these things are happening. Amen. There's a shining light here. I mean it. That shining light attracted me and my wife to this place and our daughter. I had no plans to come here. I had no plans to move here. I came here to visit, support my friend, Pastors Mark and Amy Bohr, last year for their anniversary and the church conference, and Pastor Bill had suggested it to me, and it was, it was the Lord speaking, and I felt, yeah, and so I, I came out, and I, I knew that we were being stirred to move on our journey. As I said, there's seasons, there's times, there's places. Some of us stay put in one place all the days of our life, and that's fine if that's the will of God, but for me, it's never been that way. When I was a boy of nine years old, I'm not going to get into it now. I've told my testimony here before, but I was heavily oppressed and even demonically possessed. I was demonized at times as a young boy. It was a terrible life, but God put a seed in my heart about moving from Maryland where I grew up and going all the way to the west coast of California. I didn't know why, but I was nine years old, but I began to meditate on that. I began to think about that. And then I played football, and I liked football, and I watched college football and NFL football. And so on Sundays, I'd be sitting there at the TV, and I'd be watching like a Los Angeles Rams game. And here in Maryland, it was like cold and icy, you know, it's like later in the year. And I'm watching the Rams play nice sunshine, good weather. And I was like, ooh, I like California. Amen. But no, that was honestly just a seed that God put in me because sure enough, a few years later at the ripe old age of 21 years old, I dropped out of college. My life was, the college experience was not happening for me. It wasn't the plan of God for me to be there. So I, I picked up midway through my college career and I moved out to Los Angeles, California by myself, where in that place, soon after arriving there, the, the, the Lord totally took over my entire life. I was filled gloriously with the Holy Ghost, and, I, and the whole course of my life 
uh, came into alignment with his perfect will and plan for my life. And from that time, the Lord has had us going places. But I, had, I said all that because I said this church, we were drawn here by the light that I saw August of 2021 during that conference. And it wasn't just through the guest speakers. It wasn't just through Mark Hankins or Jim Hockaday. I know both of them. I've sat under both of their ministries many times, and I love them. It wasn't about the ministry. It was about the presence of God in this church. There was a light shining in this church. Hallelujah. To which I was drawn because I'm someone who must be in the light. I'm someone who must be on the forefront, on the cutting edge of what the Lord is doing in the earth. I must be. That's the hunger of my life. Otherwise, I'm unsatisfied and divinely dissatisfied. I have an insatiable hunger for the Lord, for his things, for his ways, for his kingdom, for his presence. Amen. And that's just because salvation got deeply rooted in me. But there are some in his body of whom are, some of whom could even be in this room tonight, that are experiencing trouble, abiding, staying, understanding the depth and the magnitude of the great eternal salvation that we have, that if you'll come into the revelation of it, your life will change and never be the same, and you'll not struggle and strive, like I said earlier, with the things. Not that there's not challenges. We know that. We have an enemy, and we have flesh, but you come into another place of existence, of total well-being. But there are people that are suffering in the body and I believe in a number of people like this, even in this room, trouble abiding in that while suffering with bodily sickness or the emptiness and abandonment of something in their souls that has never been filled the proper way where the healing balm of Gilead, the anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ, the new wine of the Spirit, the oil of the Spirit has not come in consistently enough, saturating, cleansing, curing, and making totally whole. People are suffering with these things. Abandonment. But I want to show you tonight these things that Jesus suffered for us, that he took completely for us so that we could be entirely, completely, totally free. Some even feeling, I know this because people have spoken with me, and I've had my own battles in life. I've had my own challenges with disillusionment, disappointment, depression coming upon me, trying to take hold of my life. We've all have to experience these things. We don't have to experience them, but the point is that Often, going through this life, we're not going to get a free run up the sideline from the devil, especially when we're marked, especially when we're anointed, 
especially when we're called, especially when we have a fire, a true love for the Lord Jesus. Do you think you're going to get a free run up the side? Never. It's not going to happen until the day you depart. And so we have to be full. We have to have the fullness of this great salvation working from day to day, as the Bible says. From day to day. It's a daily thing. Jesus said in John 15, abide in the vine and let the vine abide in you. That's the Christian life. That's the Christian walk. I believe John 15 is, is, is such a huge answer in the words of Jesus to this Christian life. It's a life of abiding, remaining in place. It literally means there to stay put, it literally means to be fixed, and it, as I said earlier, I think it literally means to be present with Him. And that's the thing. Even though we may be physically present, sometimes we're not spiritually present. Sometimes we're not mentally present. But we need to be present in all facets of our life. And it's a discipline it's a training ourselves. It's a training of our human spirit. It's, a, it's all of this discipleship. Walk with the Lord that he helps us in. And everyone's at various places in that walk. But it's a life of abiding. But there are those I know because they've told me, I've heard it, who even feel Christian people that's why we often have altar calls for those who need the assurance of their salvation. And the Bible talks about having an assurance of it because there are people, precious Christian people who love the Lord with all their heart and yet are under such a yoke of bondage because they think that when they die, they're not actually going to go to heaven, but they're going to receive the eternal judgment of God and they're going to end up in hell rather than in the presence of God. And yet, they love the Lord. And they know and this is what probably keeps them, but there are others who depart for these reasons. They know intellectually, they know this to be true. They know, no, no, I know the scripture, I know, and yet there's a very real battle in their soul. And I've spoken to too many of them to deny it. And the Lord wants to help people. The Lord doesn't want any of his people living in any kind of a place where they're feeling that emptiness of soul, that weight of eternal judgment, which is actually just the, 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 the displacement of the judgment that the devil himself is under, that yoke that he lives with, and it's the displacement. It's him projecting his own judgment onto innocent people. That's what he does. Think about it. We, only, we can only give what we possess. That's true for every creature. And what the devil possesses is sickness and disease. Amen. He's a sick, ravaged, diseased, demented soul. And all he can do is try to put that on other people. 
He's one who's under the eternal judgment and condemnation of Almighty God that there's no chance of ever uh, changing. And so he projects that onto precious people, believers and unbelievers alike. Even though unbelievers may be under that, yet it does them no good to feel the weight of it day by day by day. They can have no life while living here. Because of this confusion, the oppression of sorrow and depression has entered in to many people and with it the heavy weight of hopelessness, all of which hinders and steals the joy and peace that comes with the Savior's love. A life filled with love, joy, and peace is all that God has for us. And I believe tonight the Lord is going to impart some of that to you in a tangible way. Hallelujah. I'm not saying that any of you are living under that yoke of all that I'm talking about, but yet we can still use a dose of the light of salvation in and upon our lives. Hallelujah. So the Lord once has made preparation and provision to minister to his people in this hour so that people may experience a renewed faith, a restoration of hope, and expectation of the goodness of God in their life with a joy inexpressible and full of glory. Amen? Hallelujah. So look at me, if you would, in Matthew 27. And we're going to look first, we're going to just look at a few verses We're going to begin with verse 26, and I'll read in a moment. But before I do, it says this in Isaiah chapter 10, 27, that it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and it will be destroyed by reason of the anointing oil. Hallelujah. Salvation has a fragrance, amen, of life. Salvation carries the fragrance of Jesus Christ. You remember 2 Corinthians where it says, what? I thank God who always causes us to triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place, amen. That's the fragrance of salvation, the fragrance of his eternal life, amen. Hallelujah. And so that comes forth. That fragrance is found in the anointing oil of the New Testament. It was a spiced oil directed and, 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 and concocted, created by God and given to the priest to put together this olive oil with the spices. Hallelujah. And these spices created a great fragrance and aroma, and they represent the salvation of God. And so the Holy Spirit, the spirit of salvation is here, hallelujah, to pour out that oil of joy for mourning, hallelujah, that oil of joy upon his people in this hour. We need the oil of God 
We need to drip with the oil of God. We need to live in the presence and the anointing of the Lord. And that comes with the magnitude and the scope of His salvation. We can live drenched in the presence of God. Hallelujah. So that when we walk around, we shine with a glorious light. We beam with the countenance of the Most High God. And what comes out of us is a fragrance through our thoughts, through our words, through our deeds. Salvation flows from out of us. Amen. And people see it. And they take note of it. And eventually, they'll desire it. They'll hunger it. They'll hunger for it. Because they're tired of all this other. (coughs) They're tired of the hopelessness. They're tired of the sense of abandonment. Amen. We got to go rescue someone? Is that what that is? Amen. Amen, we are. We're on a search and rescue mission, aren't we? (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen, (laughs) hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We are indeed. Amen. So, let me read to you some things and just preach a little bit here, the things. And I'm going to speak in the manner that The Lord spoke to me. As I told you, it was a very intimate experience where I felt the breath of God upon me as He spoke these things and the intensity of His heart to deliver these things to His people. And so you know the story here. There He was in front of Pilate. Pilate was trying to get him freed, but the people said, let him be crucified. So let me just go right to verse 26. The first thing I want to show you about salvation has to do again, and I know this is a rich subject here in this body, in this church, but, and, and it regards bodily salvation, bodily salvation. We know that one day we'll be raised, hallelujah, glorified with a resurrected, glorified body. But the depth, the scope, and the magnitude of his salvation is such that he wants you to live and walk in divine health all the days of your life. Amen. You see, healing is a depth of salvation. And that's great because that's, a, that's just a reality. People need healing in their bodies. Bodily healing is what I'm talking about now. But there's something greater. The, the greater magnitude of it is that we can live, rather than needing healing, we can live as healers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus gave his disciples power and authority. 
and he sent them out, what? To, to cast out devils and to cure diseases. Amen. And you know what it says then? A couple of verses after that, it says, they went everywhere preaching the gospel. The gospel of what? Salvation. Jesus Christ. Amen. <coughs> Pardon me. So it says here, verse 26, then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. When he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. I've sought the Lord on this scourging issue for years. There's not really much said about the scourging in the Bible. It just says they took him and scourged him. Now we know that he received <coughs> stripes, 39 lashes from a Roman flagellum, amen, that they did to people whom they scourged. And we know also, I believe I've heard this and I believe it's true, although I haven't done a depth, a, a, a deep study on it, uh, but I've heard others who have done deep studies on it who have said that there are, basically there are 39 categories of sickness, disease, plagues that can be all the diseases, all the plagues, amen, can be categorized into 39 categories, 39 groups. And so it's said that Jesus took one for each category, meaning covering the, the breadth and the scope of all sickness and disease. But I want to show you something else tonight that I believe for me personally is the most powerful thing I've ever seen regarding healing. And, and like I said, I had been seeking the Lord and inquiring and asking Him to show me because I had my own physical battles. I had my own things I was dealing with in life. And I wasn't uh, always, you know, I, I just wasn't getting the healing to manifest in my body uh, in every, you know, for certain things. And so I sought the Lord and I pressed in. And I said, you need to show me because you said, by his stripes you are healed. We are healed. By his stripes you were healed. Amen. Amen. Settled. Hallelujah. And we understand the great redemption chapter of Isaiah 53. He bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. Amen. And Matthew 8, 17 says that it might be fulfilled which was written, spoken, I mean, by the prophet Isaiah, who he himself bore our sicknesses or bore our infirmities and carried our sicknesses and our diseases. Amen. Hallelujah. So we know that it's the will of God to heal, and we know that Jesus heals totally and completely, meaning every disease that could ever be there, known and unknown to man. Amen. But still, I needed to find out more. So let me read a scripture to you in Isaiah 52. You don't have to turn there. You can listen since you're already in Matthew 27. 
But at the, right before the great redemption chapter, something is amazing is spoken and written here by the prophet. And it says in Isaiah 52, 14, concerning Jesus, just as many were astonished at you, so his visage, which is his appearance and his shape, so his visage was marred. That word marred means disfigured and decayed. Disfigured and decayed. That's what it means. So his visage, his appearance and shape was marred and dis, uh, disfigured and decayed more than any man. And his form more than the sons of men, meaning all that had ever gone before and all that would come after him. More than the sons of men. He was marred. He was disfigured. He was decayed. And so what was it in all of this? So after I read that, I want to show you maybe something you've never seen before. Maybe you have. But he took me from there, and he took me to Mark chapter 5. So I went there, and he took me to the woman with the issue of blood. And I'm going to read Mark 5, 27 through 29. And I just want to describe, you understand the story of this woman. This woman was sick beyond human health. We know the story. She had been bleeding. She had a blood disorder. I believe she even had a blood disease. But she was hemorrhaging blood, probably because it was so diseased, and her body was trying to work. But anyway, this woman had that issue of blood 12 years. She had grown no better, was getting worse and worse. In fact, this woman was going to die. Amen. So... We read here in 27, when she heard about Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. All you need to do is really get a revelation of Jesus. Amen. When people hear of Jesus, good tidings, glad tidings of great joy for all the people. Listen, you and me are here to proclaim the name to all the world. Hallelujah. When people hear the name and there's an anointing on the one who speaks the name, then that name comes to life and light comes in and hope comes in. Amen. When she had heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately or at once, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt she knew in her body that she was healed of that plague or that affliction. It says in the New King James, that plague in the Old King James or the King James. So then, here it is. He took me to that scripture and I read it. And then when I read it, he said, now look up the word plague, right now. So I hit my concordance, catch my breath. 
Amen, because this is another good one coming up. <laughs> so, hey, come on. <laughs> Lowry! Lowry! Amen. It's easier for me to say glory than glory. I don't know why, so I just... I can say it a lot of times, amen, which I do all the time, at home, all the time. I walk around the house, glory, 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 like, oh, okay, son, all right, I heard you, praise God, no. So, no, he said, <laughs> he said, look up that word plague. So I looked it up. I was not expecting to see what I saw. The word for plague there literally means a whip. A Roman flagellum for criminals. It is figuratively a disease. It is a plague. It is a scourging. But the word for plague literally means whip, and it's speaking of that Roman flagellum that Jesus received. And so the Lord showed me in that moment, I stand before God with the revelation in my heart that he said it wasn't only the external beating and whipping that he took for you, that, that took care of all the disease, that wasn't what disfigured him and marred him beyond the point of being recognizable anymore as a human being. What happened when he received the whips was the whips were a delivery system that where Jesus received inside his body every disease, every sickness, every plague known to man. He took them by faith. And it was the, the multitude of all the plague, all the sickness, all the disease that literally changed him and disfigured him, changed his form, changed his face, changed his entire appearance. It wasn't just the lashing, even though those were bad, yes. They tore the... The, 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 some of it, uh, his body apart, but it was much more than that. Jesus took with every whip as a delivery system into his body the plagues of the earth. He was willing to receive all of that. That's why it says he bore our sicknesses. He took them, all of them. HIV, AIDS, cancer, whatever, you name it. Whatever you may be dealing with in this room. Heart disease, arthritis. Any number of viruses that has come down throughout the course of time. Every disease he took. And he said, I took them so that my people would never receive them. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So there's your bodily salvation. Amen. Now let me read down and skip down. 
And I want to talk about the judgment of sin for a moment. It says in verse 31 at the end, and they led him away to be crucified. Remember it said in verse 26, he delivered him to be crucified. Then down there in verse 29, and they led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. There then they crucified him. And so we understand, I don't have to spend long on this, but the crucifixion is the nailing of his body to the cross where he took the judgment and he took, he became sin for you. Who knew no sin, he became sin. So the absolute finality and judgment for sin and for the guilt the condemnation and the guilt associated with sin he took that day on the cross so that you and I would never, ever, ever have to be guilty for sin. Hallelujah. He took it, all of it, in totality, every part of it, that we might be made right we who were wrong were made right. He who was right was made wrong. And so this crucifixion, this judgment of sin is our total freedom from the power and the guilt of sin. You are no longer under sin because you are under grace. Hallelujah. And so we don't have to live guilty. We don't have to take thoughts of guilt and shame and remorse and condemnation. Yeah, when we miss it, we go to God and we confess it, but we never live out of that place. We are to live a guilt-free life because we were declared not guilty. He was declared guilty and he was condemned. We were declared not guilty and to be declared in the high court of heaven to be not guilty does not only mean the removal of guilt, but it literally means the presence of innocence. You are innocent. Just like Adam and Eve in the very beginning, they were innocent. Hallelujah. God did not want them to partake of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. You know why? Because they didn't need the knowledge of good and evil. They were innocent of evil. Hallelujah. Meaning they were unacquainted with evil. And that is the place in the great salvation that God has for you and me. To live lives of innocent where we are unacquainted with evil. We have nothing to do with it. It has no place in our lives. So when the lies, the fiery darts, the accusations, the slander comes from the devil, we're able to say, uh-uh, I'm innocent 
I have no acquaintance with you. Who are you out of here? Hallelujah. They didn't need, one time the Lord said this to me, son, they didn't need the knowledge of good and evil. They had the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. They had the pure knowledge of God. So you and I, through this great salvation, can have a greater, more pure, deeper knowledge of God himself to where we walk in innocence and that has no part of us because people are dealing with that guilt guilt for things done five years ago ten years ago twenty years ago one month ago one week ago people are walking around with their head down in guilt 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 that's not a great salvation God wants to take the weight. Remember I said by the anointing, he'll remove the yoke. He'll destroy the burden by the anointing. Amen. Hallelujah. Number three, let's look at verse 45. I want you to see this. And in fact, I'm almost done. If I could get maybe Pastor Whitley to come play the keyboard somebody come up and no I mean I just don't I can't see I don't know oh there she is thank you she may assign someone else is all I'm saying you know I don't know I don't know just going with the flow here but um so you see that Physical salvation, bodily salvation. Salvation from judgment and guilt of sin, meaning total forgiveness and freedom, innocence. Number three, soul healing. Healing of one's mental conditions. These things are very real in life, folks. I know some people don't believe in them, but they exist nonetheless. People are sick in their minds. People are sick in their souls. Their emotions are damaged to the place that they don't function as they should in life. But you know what? Jesus took all that too. Look here. Verse 45 Thank you, Lord. Verse 45, Jesus is on the cross now. The freedom from soul slavery. This is what I'm talking about. Being a slave to a broken soul, a wounded soul. Right? The Bible says, receive the... With meekness, the engrafted word, which is able to what? Save your soul. Salvation for the soul. We often look at things from ascending order to descending. We would say spirit, soul, and body, but in the Hebrew language, the ancient Hebrews spoke in, in, in ascending order. So they would speak of the body first. This is why the Lord showed me it's 
listed here in this way in this passage. They would speak of the body and then the soul and then the spirit being the highest, greatest part of man. And we're getting to that. So now we're in the soul realm. And Jesus suffered in the soul realm once and for all with all finality for you and for me. Verse 45, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. You have to understand, Jesus was now on the cross. He had already been scourged. He had already been judged. He had already received all the disease and all the plagues of mankind. And now he's crying out because he's feeling abandoned. He's feeling rejected and cast out for the first time. The almighty son of God who was and is and is to come. And yet here he was as a man suffering for you and I for an all-time eternal total salvation. And there he was dealing with this And he cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And that is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was a very real thing. We're not talking about Jesus who knew that He was going to eventually rise from the dead, and he proclaimed it. He said, in three days, I'll rise again, right? Destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll rebuild it. Yes, when he was as the man, full of the Spirit, under the grace of God, without any judgment, without any sin, walking as the Son of God and the Son of Man to, to demonstrate salvation, and the heart of God for us to communicate salvation and from God. But in this moment, he literally was forsaken. God had turned away from the Son, and he had left him there alone to receive what he was receiving for you and me, which was abandonment, which was forsaking, which was to be left utterly, entirely alone in the world under the judgment of Almighty God. So he cried out, why have you forsaken me? He was feeling very real, deep hurt in that moment. And why did he do it? Good news, glad tidings of great joy for all the people so that people wouldn't live lives feeling rejected and abandoned that causes people to become hopeless and depressed and lose even desire for life. It's what causes people to commit suicide. And yet, our Lord took it that day on the cross. 
He said, you tell my people I was forsaken so that they would never, ever be forsaken. So if you've ever had thoughts that where are you, Lord? Why have you left me, Lord? Where are you? What's going on? I don't understand. Whatever it may be. We know, he said, I'll never ever leave or forsake you. But when the Lord showed it to me this way, you see, why can he say, no, I'll never, no, never ever leave or forsake you? Why can he say that? Because he took it for us. So if you're ever feeling forsaken, if you're feeling alone in this Christmas season, I don't know what family you have or if there's anything, but... Sometimes people get down in this season rather than filled with great joy, having peace and joy inexpressible and full of glory. No, they suffer with, 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 with anxiety and, and, and all the other things that go with that nonsense. So Jesus said, you tell them, I was forsaken, so you will never be forsaken. Hallelujah. To think that God will be with you in your best time and in your worst time, the same. And in fact, sometimes in those times, he seems to, with his compassion, be even stronger in those times. But to think, I'm telling you, you'll never, ever be alone. He's with you to help you. As he said tonight in that word, I'm here to help you and to heal you, to free you, and to fill you with my fire. So in just a few minutes, we're going to do that, but I want to show you one last thing, the fourth thing the Lord showed me. Maybe none of you here have ever dealt with this. But I'm going to tell you honestly, I dealt with it at one time in my life. And I know the utter agony and torment of it. And that is what I described, to think that knowing I'm a son of God, knowing I love him with all my heart, and yet there were times where I was being there was a season in my life where I was being woken up in the middle of the night by evil spirits. I, don't, I, I can't explain it. I was living for the Lord. I wasn't living in sin. I wasn't away from him at all. I'm walking with my Lord, my Savior, in his great salvation, and yet there was this, there was this battle that, I, that went on that I had to wage and had to come through. And eventually what brought me through to the other side is this scripture right here, this one verse I'm going to show you right now. I'd wake up with torment on me, lies coming to me a million miles an hour. You've been duped. You think you're a son of God, but on that day, the Lord's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. And so I had to battle this, and I fought, and I stood, 
Hallelujah. And then I've heard from others the same thing, that lying scumbag, the devil. So here's what settled the issue once and for all because I said, Lord, speak to me. One verse. Look at this. Just a few verses down from where we just read where the Lord was forsaken. I'll just skip right to verse 50. And it says there, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. And in that moment, what he cried out, I believe, was we find from the other seven words that he spoke through the Gospels. In that moment, in this moment, it says he cried out in a loud voice. And what he said was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Because then he gave up the ghost and died. And that's what it says here. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And he spoke to me and said, you don't yet understand what that means, but I'm going to tell you now. Jesus said, when I yielded up my spirit, not only did I commit myself to the Father, but I also was powerless to do anything about my situation. He yielded up his spirit and he was taken directly to hell where he suffered torment, eternal judgment, agony that you and I have no idea about. The eternal torment, think about it. The son of the most high God who had come from the very bosom of the Father, and but humbled himself and became a man and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross that not meant, not, didn't only mean physical death, but it meant eternal death. And Jesus said, Son, I went to hell so that my people will never go to that place. Hallelujah. He said, I willingly yielded up my spirit and gave up total control and went down and suffered agony and torment and eternal death and judgment, total separation from God. And if it were not for the Father reaching down and raising me up and telling me, satisfied, justice is satisfied, I was willing to stay there for all eternity for my people. That's what it means to yield up his spirit. It means he went without recourse. But he totally committed himself into the hands of the Father. And I broke down and said, Lord, so great a salvation. That's what I said. It came up out of me, knowing the scripture. It came up out of me. I'm weeping and I said, Lord, so great a salvation. I've had no idea how final the magnitude, the totality 
of this salvation, this great salvation, Lord. I'll never neglect it again. Lord, help me to deliver the reality and the power of it to your people, the glory of it to your people, because I know people where he, he's, he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And we're all human beings who deal with a fallen world system, a corrupted, decayed system, run by, a, by the most wicked being that ever existed. So I know we're living in a real fallen world. And people are dealing with the effects of that fall in their life, and we need to be there to help and give them answers. And so I pray that tonight I've given you some answers and some ammunition to go forth to help others who need to hear good tidings of great joy to all the people. Hallelujah. No. He went to hell willingly, without recourse willing to stay there for all eternity. We knew that he wouldn't, but he was willing. That's how great, that's how wide, that's the scope of the love of God for mankind and for you and me. Hallelujah.